Welcome to Chasing Perfection, a UConn women's basketball podcast. I'm Daniel Connolly here with Megan Gower. What a week for the Huskies. They lose their first conference game in nine years, a streak of 169 straight conference wins, dating back to the 2013 Big East Championship game against Notre Dame, to Villanova on Wednesday, a stunner 72-69 to that was not nearly as close as the scoreline indicates. Then UConn avoids back-to-back losses for the first time since 1993, a streak that I believe is now up to 1,441 games when you also include the Marquette game after. Without back-to-back losses, an 84-60 to win over DePaul. And then to close out this furious stretch since they returned from COVID, a 72-58 to win over Marquette. A lot happened this past week. There is a lot to try and talk about and break down and melt together. But I think the main storyline is injuries continue to be a problem for this team. And UConn's loss to Villanova was a very similar theme as to what we've seen earlier in the season. Our friend of the show, Alexa Philippou on The Current, mentioned that three of UConn's losses of their five have come immediately after losing a notable player to injury. Georgia Tech was right after losing Paige Beckers and Nika Mule. Oregon was immediately after Kristen Williams went into COVID protocols. And then Villanova happens when Olivia Nelson Adota pulls herself out of the game after UConn had already put her in the book to start. Now we have learned since it didn't even happen immediately after that game, that it was due to a groin injury, which has forced her to miss these next two games. UConn looks terrible. No one can really step up. They make a furious comeback over the last four minutes, but they ultimately can't close the door. Also, UConn didn't have Caroline Ducharme, very big player to mention. So without two of their more important players that we were even expecting to be on the floor, also no Paige Beckers, which is no surprise. They played DePaul on Friday, so just two days after. Still no Olivia Nelson-Adota, still no Caroline Ducharme. DePaul didn't have Sonia Morris, which was a big boost for them. Still, with the way that Anissa Morrow played against UConn earlier this season, with how tight that game was, needing a Caroline Ducharme game winner to even win it, with generally just how dangerous of an offensive team DePaul is, meaning UConn only has to play well defensively to stop them. They also have to keep up with them on the offensive end. I don't think anyone really expected UConn to win by 24. I really didn't even expect them to win. I thought they were going to get run off the floor and they were going to lose their first back-to-back games since 1993 before I was even born. And they come out and it's just, I don't want to say it's a vintage UConn performance, but it just feels like something we've seen time and time again this year, where once they get their feet under them after losing a significant player to injury, they seem to find a way around it. Yeah, exactly. I think, I mean, we saw against the Paul, how good this team can be, I think in a lot of ways. And we obviously didn't see that against Villanova until the last two minutes, but I mean, like you said, they lost Olivia Nelson Adota right before tip. She's a huge part of what UConn does on both ends of the floor. So while like they should have still won that game against Villanova even without Olivia Nelson Adota, I don't think it's all that surprising that like things kind of crumbled in the first three quarters and they just couldn't get it together. And I think we saw quick very quickly they could adjust to that, you know, one game later against DePaul, which 
It says a lot about, I think, the way this team has been able to respond to injuries and the things that just, like, it's it just keeps being one after, after another after another. So it's good to see them keep responding. But, yeah, they do drop that game against Nova. And I don't know how much you take from it because, yeah, there's things they should have done better throughout the game. Like, the bigs should have been better in her absence. But also there was just no time to game plan for not having a player that is a huge part of your game plan. So... I mean, there's only so much you can do with that. Yeah, I think there's if there's anything to bring up long-term concerns with from Villanova, it was probably the effort because that was something that was noticeably not there. Villanova beat them to every single loose ball, to every single rebound. I remember there was one play later in the game where Matty Segrist shot it from the three-point line and the ball landed on the other side of the key with a UConn player. I don't remember exactly who roughly two steps away from it. And Maddie Segrist hustled there and beat the UConn player to the rebound. That felt like it summed up what happened the entire night. It was just Villanova playing harder than UConn Villanova hustling harder than UConn. And I hate this cliche, but it kind of fits perfectly. Villanova just wanted it more than UConn. And once they smelled blood in the water with UConn, they seemed to gain all the energy from it and losing Nelson Adota seemed to almost drain all the energy from UConn. Yeah. I feel like that pretty much sums it up. And that part I think is a little concerning because that's, you know, the one thing they really had control over. They didn't have control over the fact that Nelson Adota wasn't available or that they had to like change their game plan completely, but you always have control over your effort. It just did not come out in that game until the final three minutes they had plenty of effort in the final three minutes just needed to kick in a little bit before then if it was if the entire game was like the last three minutes UConn would have won by a hundred (laughs) yeah it was stunning the way that they flipped the switch it came too late but I think that almost did snowball a little bit into the DePaul game where UConn played with great energy the entire time and it was basically the opposite where I distinctly remember a play in the third quarter where I forget exactly how it unfolded, but UConn scored on back-to-back possessions. And the second one came on an and one from Aaliyah Edwards that I think sent them into a media timeout or DePaul took a timeout and DePaul's players went back on, went back out on the floor before UConn had broken their huddle. And you could just see from their body language, from their look in the eye, they were rattled and the way they played the rest of the game Seemed like they almost quit for a good chunk of that. They, they made a little bit of noise at a certain point, but it was too little too late. UConn just completely overwhelmed them and overcame them, and DePaul couldn't handle it. Once UConn made that run, it was all over. So I thought that's what was really impressive about the response against DePaul was that they just cranked up their energy and their effort way, way higher than it was against Villanova. And it showed, and it really just completely took DePaul out of the game at a certain point too. Yeah, agreed. I thought the effort against DePaul was fantastic. I think Gino called it their best effort, kind of or best complete game, most complete game so far this season. And I agree. I mean, defensively, they held DePaul to only 60 points. That's huge. And then offensively as well, they played really well. Even though they missed a ton of layups, still scored a ton in the paint. Um, so a really solid effort on both ends. And I think even more impressive when you remember, okay, they did all of that against a good DePaul team without Paige Beckers, without Olivia Nelson-Bogoto, without Caroline Duchard. Was, that was, I think, a very impressive win from them. And then, um, But again, against, you no, know, but just 
the effort wasn't there. So I think we kind of in the span of like three days saw how good this team could be and also how bad they can be, which seems to be the theme of the season. It's a little difficult to try and nail down the most important players on this team because it's a bit of a shifting window because there's different players on the floor at different times, different players playing well at different times. But I think regardless of who you have out there, it's pretty easy to say Paige Beckers is number one, the most important player on your team. Then you could make an argument for which one's two, which one's three. But with the way that the last few weeks have gone, I don't think that you can argue that anyone else is below her besides Olivia Nelson, Adota, and Caroline Ducharme. Ducharme's their top scorer since Paige Beckers went down. She was the one that got the ball in crunch time against DePaul, the only one they trusted to put the ball in her hands. Had just been playing really, really good basketball and had mostly been pretty consistent. She had a couple off nights here and there, but in terms of consistency with this UConn team, she might as well be rock solid. And then Olivia Nelson Adota, if you haven't read Megan's story on what makes Olivia Nelson Adota so important and valuable to this UConn team, here are just a few stats that highlight that. UConn's net rating, which is the margin that UConn has per 100 possessions, is 42 points higher with Olivia Nelson Adota on the floor, which is in the 99th percentile. 22 of those points are coming from the offensive end. So even though she's a A plus defender, she's making a lot of contributions on offense because she's assisting on 25% of UConn's shots when she's on the floor, which is third best among power five forwards in the country. And UConn also shoots 10% better from three point range when she's on the floor. I've always been an Olivia Nelson Adota apologist. But even I don't think I would have guessed anywhere close to any of those numbers. Those are staggering, jaw-dropping numbers that show you how much she does for this team, even though her standard stat line, points per game, rebounds per game, assists per game, blocks per game, those sorts of things don't necessarily jump off the page. Yeah, and I think what's been evident, especially in that loss against Nova and even still in some of these other games, though they've adjusted, is just how much the ball usually runs through her on the offensive end. Even when she's not coming away with the assist, they're probably almost every possession bringing the ball inside with her on the post or using her on the perimeter somehow and then kind of running their offense through her. So not having her on the floor, especially that going into that Nova game, forces you to kind of totally restructure your offense. Um And when they're running the ball through the post like that for her too, like teams know that she can score underneath the basket. They have to collapse on her. They have to guard that. So that definitely opens up, you know, the perimeter shots, the mid-range shots. Why are you kind of shooting 10% better when she's on the floor? It's not that she's shooting well from three. Obviously it's the fact that it's leaving people open on the perimeter when the defense collapses like that. So just not having that presence I think on the floor especially when you look at the Nova game especially in a game where Dorothy you has and Ali Edwards did not have a good game so on top of that you didn't really have a presence in the side that was scoring it, it makes sense how it happens doing a weekly podcast as opposed to doing something after every single game gives us a pretty healthy dose of perspective because it's sometimes hard not to be a prisoner of the moment when UConn loses its first conference game in nine years and they play as poorly as they did for the first 36, 37 minutes against Villanova. And there's no real positive update on Caroline Ducharme or Olivia Nelson Adota coming back. And you're looking at a DePaul team that they just had trouble with, with their healthiest roster pretty much of the season 
without Paige Beckers, the only time they've had everyone except Beckers available. And the challenge of Anissa Morrow and not really knowing who's going to step up. It's hard to realistically say they're going to be fine. They're going to figure it out. This is what they always do because we stopped being in unprecedented times at least two months ago. (laughs) We reached whatever the next step of that is a month ago. Wherever we are now is just this weird third layer of hell or something. I don't need, there's no (laughs) words to actually describe the bad luck that has happened to you kind at this point, because it's so ridiculous. You're down your three most important players. You take how many teams can you even take in the country and say, all right, you take out one, two, three. Now go play a team that's not necessarily ranked, but is going to be really tough to play against, especially considering the players you're going to have available and go beat them by 24. I don't think it's realistic to expect UConn to do that, especially after the way they played Villanova. So it's hard not to be a prisoner of the moment with this team. And it swings the other way too, because now they have two really good performances against two of the better teams in the Big East. I think this was UConn's hardest stretch of the season, regardless, or the hardest stretch in conference play of the season, regardless of who they had. And you had one bad game against Villanova and two pretty solid performances against DePaul and Marquette. So I think there's a space that we need to find where we can acknowledge that the way they played against Villanova wasn't good, even though there were some reasons that they didn't play that well, but there were still reasons that they could have played better. And that the way they played against DePaul and Marquette were very promising, but also came with their flaws. There's, a middle ground that's really tough to find that's been really tough to find with this team all season long because of everything that's gone on. There's just been so many ins and outs. Is this what the team's supposed to be? Is this the team's identity? It's always changing. So that is a very long way of saying that having this dose of perspective, I think the arrow is still pointing up on this team. I don't think the dip from Villanova is enough to knock them off a generally upward trajectory, specifically because of two players, Dorky Juhas and especially AZ Fudd. Yeah, I feel like we have to talk about AZ Fudd because I've just been so impressed with her over the last three games. And I know she didn't do a whole lot against DePaul, but I don't really think that was her fault. I think DePaul was pretty hell-bent on making sure AZ Fudd didn't get to do a lot, and they focused a lot of their defensive energy there. But, I mean, especially in the Marquette game, and down the stretch of the Villanova game, too, I mean, she's the big reason that they lost to Villanova by three points instead of 19 points. Um, But just the way her decision-making on the offensive end has been over the last few games in big-time moments and in the clutch situations has been incredible for a freshman. I think we're starting to see why she was this like hyped up generational recruit coming out of high school and why people said she could be even better than Paige Beckers. I don't think we're saying that yet. I'm not saying that she's better than Paige yet, but I think we're seeing kind of some of those things that we saw from Paige last year where she just doesn't play like a freshman at all. Yeah, absolutely. I think, It was really, really noticeable starting against Tennessee. Obviously, (laughs) having the huge game there with Caroline Ducharme out for the first time, but the way that she took over late against Villanova, and granted, it came a little late, then, yeah, I think DePaul you can wipe off because 
DePaul, Doug Bruno even said after the game, their goal was to take AZ foot away. And they did that. The problem was pretty much everyone else on UConn got whatever they wanted. So it's hard to knock AZ when she was basically helping set up everyone else to succeed, especially in the post where Aaliyah Edwards and Dorky Uhas just got whatever they wanted. And then against Marquette, there was a very clear point in that second half where you could tell a light went on with her, where she went from playing, not letting the game come to her because I don't think she was necessarily doing that, but she was just making the plays that were available to her more so. And then there was a point in that second half where you could tell it clicked and she started to become that bulldog that we've heard about. Like you said, the number one prospect, the generational talent, the basketball player that Gino talks about. She's not just a student. She's not just a shooter. <laughs> She's a all around basketball player. He says that pretty much every single time someone brings up AZ. That I think was the first time that we really, really saw what that meant because as good as she was against Tennessee, she killed Tennessee on the three point line. And that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. But I thought against Marquette, she had a much more overall game. And something that's been standing out more and more is when she catches the ball at the top of the arc, she can pump fake and every single player in the country has to close out as fast as possible to get to her because we all know that she has an incredibly quick release and can pretty much get off shots from wherever. So you give her that half inch of space when you're closing her out and the defender gets a little bit off balance, then she's got this great move where she drives to the free throw line or the elbow and the defender all of a sudden starts breaking towards the basket. And then she stops on a dime and has this beautiful pull-up jumper that she seems to hit every single time. That's becoming more and more of a staple in her game. And it's just going to make her all that more dangerous from a three-point shooter because you can't just close out on her on the three-point line because she can go past you and you can't just recover to the basket because she will pull up on you and you can't just half run your way back because she can get to the rim and finish there. She is such an incredible offensive player. And yeah, to your point, it's not the same as Paige Beckers. And I even want to throw Caroline Ducharme in there too, because of the way Caroline played for a bit was similar in the way that she just does so many special things on the court. I'm not comparing them as players, but all three of them are just, yeah, not looking like freshmen. I don't think there's a better way to put it. So I guess I'm just repeating your points, but they deserve to be repeated because they're that impressive and what she's doing is just so, so special, which brings us to a point that seems to be the theme of the season in that are UConn's injuries actually kind of a positive here? <laughs> Not that it's good that anyone got injured, but Caroline certainly wouldn't be where she is if Paige didn't get hurt. And AZ wasn't doing this when Caroline Ducharme was fully healthy and was almost the go-to scorer, but it seemed like she figured out at a certain point that, okay, this needs to fall to me now. I need to start picking up the load. And she's definitely done that. Yeah, exactly. I think you don't want to say that it's like, it's good that anyone got hurt, but there is definitely some like silver linings, assuming they can get everyone back in time and within enough time to mold everything together. I think what we've seen from a lot of these different pieces throughout the season combined with when you get page backers and everyone else back, it, makes this team have a lot of potential and easy fun right now is a huge piece of that and I think we're seeing I mean it's only her 11th college game I don't think you could even really count the first four because she was clearly injured 
to start off the season. So for the mix of her like seventh college game, which is already taking over the game against a really good Marquette team and showing that kind of like veteran decision-making on offense, it's, it's extremely impressive. And I think when this team gets everything together, their potential in March is really, really high. In theory, I don't want to jinx anything, but in theory, at some point, UConn is going to have Paige Beckers, Caroline Ducharme, and AZ Flood on the floor together. <laughs> and there's also going to be Olivia Nelson Adota, Dorky Uhas, Leah Edwards, Avina Westbrook, Kristen Williams are all going to be options along with that. I don't know who you start. I think that's a better conversation once we know when Beckers is coming back and what her status is going to be. But imagine Kristen Williams has been playing well. I think she's been playing really well, even though her numbers haven't been great. So imagine you're a team and Kristen Williams checks out and AZ FUD comes on. That's just not fair. It's it, it's almost vindication for how much we talked about the depth during the off season and through the preseason and having that completely fall on its face through the first couple weeks. This is the depth that we talked about. This is the depth that I almost feel like we were promised. This is why we were so high on this UConn team at the start of the year. Obviously, still so long to go, still a lot of pieces that still need to come together. But you can see why the potential is so high. I still say that the potential for this team is so much higher than any other team in the country. It's mm-hmm. just a matter of if they can get there. And I think that's a big if, but I also don't know if I would have expected them to be at this point way back against Creighton in January when they first got back from their COVID break, or even before that against Louisville. This is a completely different team than the one that played Louisville. And it's not even because of the people who are on the court. That's a big part of it. But I think as a whole, the team has grown in leaps and bounds since then. Yeah, I would a hundred percent agree with that. I think just the team is still trending in the right direction. It's easy to freak out about the Villanova loss or whatever, but I think everything that we're seeing is trending in the right direction. And I agree with what you said about Kristen. Like, I don't think her numbers have been fantastic over the last couple of weeks, but I think she's been playing very well. It also stuck out to me in the DePaul game, her defensive effort and the DePaul game was fantastic the way, I mean, she was just everywhere on defense, on the defensive end, her help defense on Morrow a lot in that game was a big part of the fact that Morrow, I mean, she still got her points, but she didn't do it efficiently and she didn't, you know, drop 30 on UConn like she did last time. And Kristen's defense was a big part of that as well. I was very impressed with that in, in the DePaul game. I think it's probably the best defensive effort that we've seen from her since the Big East tournament last year. Yeah, Anissa Morrow finished with 20 points and 16 rebounds, and I didn't necessarily feel like she was killing UConn all that much. Mm-hmm. It seemed like she's going to get her points one way or another, but the fact that not only, yeah, 20 points is still a lot, but she's really good on the offensive end. I don't think she's anywhere close to being this big physical force on the defensive end, especially with the way that Dorky Uhas and Aliyah Edwards just completely shredded DePaul on the paint and really the rest of the team too. It almost feels like she came out of that game as a net neutral because of her defense outweighing or evenly weighing against her offense. And even just by the eye test, I didn't think that she was dominant really. Mm -hmm. Agreed. And I think part of that too, was the fact that they were missing Sonia Morris. So she got more shots. So she was going to get the points because someone had to score for them. Right. But I think 
Agreed. I didn't follow like she dominated. In the first game, I thought she was just totally dominant against UConn, and I did not see that at all in the second game. I've had this feeling, I think since the last time they played DePaul, where is Anissa Morrow not a perfect player to have in the Big East for the next three seasons? Because it feels like, especially in the American, and even last year in the Big East, Olivia Nelson Adota and UConn's big pretty much could do whatever they wanted on both sides of the floor because no one had the size to match up with them. Anissa Morrow is not Aaliyah Boston. She is not a six foot five powerful center that is just going to blow you out of the lane. She's only six foot one, so she doesn't have a ton of size, but she is such a perfect test for this UConn team in Biggie's play. You get to play her two, probably three times a year. She's not a you're not, you're only going to be able to play Aaliyah Boston when you play Aaliyah Boston. So if you have to find a poor woman's version of Aaliyah Boston, Anissa Morrow is a decent lookalike. I'm not trying to compare the two as players, but at the very least, if you can't handle Morrow, you can't handle Aaliyah Boston. Right. It gives them a test in conference play in the post. It's not the same level of test, but it's at least a test, which I don't think is something we can really say for the last, I mean, especially in the American, even last year in the Big East, like you said, Olivia Nostradota could have her way against every Big East opponent. And that makes it a little bit tougher and it gives them something in conference play. That's at least a tough matchup in terms of size. We should also talk a little bit more about Dorky Uhas because she's been really good the last two games set a season high with points against DePaul, scored 20 points against both DePaul and Marquette. She looked like an all Big Ten player in both those games. She she didn't necessarily take over the game, but there were stretches where she was the one getting the ball and making the plays for UConn. She was doing it all over the floor too, hitting three-pointers, driving from the arc, scoring inside, getting offensive rebounds. Gino mentioned after... Was it DePaul? I believe it was after DePaul. I'm not positive which day it was, where Dork has pretty much been banged up since September, hasn't been 100% since September, which is why there's been a lot of inconsistency with her. And I, I think it's unfair to blame it completely on the injuries. I think some of that has to do with her adjustment to UConn and her own individual play too. But you can tell that when she's feeling well enough, because I don't think it's fair to say she's healthy, she can be a force for this team and she's been a net positive pretty much the whole season, I would say, but this is a different type of player. One we really haven't seen outside the exhibition and someone who could be a major, major, major X factor. I mean, with all that we just said about Olivia Nelson, and Dota and all the guards that UConn has, especially if they get healthy, if you can play Dorka Uhas next to Nelson, and Dota and have her be at the level that she's at now, that's a really hard team to stop. Even if you have a Leah Boston in the post, even if you have a really strong overall team, that's just a really dangerous combo. Yeah, I agree. I think we're finally starting to see the kind of dorky cause that you thought you would see the all to big 10 player. Like you said, she's come out and played like that the last two games. And maybe some of it's just like the, the need to step up knowing that Olivia Nelson Adota is out but like you said, I think part of it is probably the injuries too. And you also mentioned that she hasn't practiced a ton this season. So mm-hmm. I don't know what to make of that because who knows what that actually means. But I think it's fair to say that like there's at least probably a, a significant part of what we've seen from her that's been inconsistent that you can attribute to the injuries. 
So if where she's at now is kind of where she can be going forward, I think that's going to be huge for UConn. Even if they're not getting, you know, 20 points a night from her like they are right now, they're not going to need that when they get all the healthy pieces back. But if they can get have her go out there and be kind of a force in the post alongside Olivia Nelson and Dodo, like I said, it's going to be a really, really hard team to guard. Especially because with Juhas as well, like she's hitting enough threes right now. I think you kind of have to guard her on the perimeter. So that also just changes the way a defense has to look at this team in terms of how they guard, you know, the bigs on the perimeter and in the post. I was counting while you were talking about that because I was thinking, okay, well, I don't want to get too ahead of myself with Dorka Juhas is definitely at this level after two games. But, you know, maybe after a few more games and I'm looking and then all of a sudden the bottom right corner of my calendar is women's basketball biggies tournament starts I started counting. There are five games left until the big East tournament begins and two and a half weeks. Basically we're recording this on Tuesday night. That is crazy. So the regular season is almost over and I still don't think we really even have a good idea of what this team's supposed to look like. <laughs> yep. Like theoretically players are going to get back and be healthy and they're going to have a full team. That's what we've been talking about all year. Oh, oh, just give it time. They'll be back. I don't actually know if that's fully true. I don't, I don't know when to expect Paige Becker's back. I don't know when to expect Olivia Nelson Adota back. I don't know when to expect Caroline Ducharme, who has a head injury, has passed 99% of protocols, but definitely doesn't have a concussion. I don't know when she's supposed to be back. I just can't believe it's this. I, like, I can believe it, but at the same time, it's almost like there is this weird fever dream at the beginning of the year. Then all of a sudden they didn't play for three weeks and the regular season began in January. That's kind of how this season feels like it's gone. Yep. That pretty much sums it up. But yeah, I, I mean, I can't believe the postseason is two and a half weeks away, but I, I mean, I agree. I don't think we still know what this team should look like. I don't know. I think we even know what this team is going to look like from a personnel standpoint when we get to the postseason. And I honestly don't think we're going to know what any of those three players are back until they're basically suiting up on the court yeah we don't even know what they're gonna look like on friday at xavier <laughs> at this point i mean gino said yeah easy's not going to be back for a while before the depaul game the first one and then she played in that game right. he said that caroline was going to be back soon a few days rest would do her good and she hasn't played since he said that olivia nelson adota just randomly disappeared one day before a game and hasn't returned yet who knows which player is magically going to get eaten by the Kraken next? <laughs> For all we know, P.F. Gabriel and Amari DeBerry could be starting on Friday. Uh, nothing is out of the realm of possibility at this point. Yeah, exactly. I we will just I guess see as it comes, but yeah, the, this team has just had so much bad luck. So hopefully, it's nearing the end of it. But still, I mean, we still don't know when those three pieces that are already been bitten by the bad luck will be back. So I guess the update on Paige Beckers has been positive and that she's, you know, doing more things every day, whatever that means and doing basketball activities, but we've gotten no timetable there. So still don't know there either. I almost kind of feel like the game's going to start and they're going to be announcing the starting lineups. And then all of a sudden Paige Beckers is going to come out of the tunnel, rip her warmups off almost like a, a wrestling type thing and <laughs> strut into the arena, like the Vince McMahon gif and the roof of gamble pavilion is going to collapse. And that's going to ha- be how the UConn season ends. 
I feel like it's going to be some dramatic entrance, not just, yeah, Paige is going to play tomorrow. And that's the end of it. No, I feel like this feels too big to not have some flair too. Yeah. <laughs> that would be or maybe, <laughs> yeah. Or maybe the Big East tournament final, who knows? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> feels about right. But yeah. I feel like there's going to be some kind of flair and also none of us are going to know that it's happening. It's just going to be like all of a sudden she's on the basketball court. <laughs> correct. Correct. I'm terrified of missing a game the rest of the season in case that suddenly she's back for one of them and I'm not there. Yeah. I have to miss both games this weekend. So with my luck, she probably will play this weekend. So hopefully we can only hope obviously, but <laughs> I think that would take a dramatic turn. Yeah. I agree. From I what Gino said, <laughs> I think after DePaul, she still wasn't even doing anything cutting wise. I think there's still a long, I would guess there's still a long way to go from that. I would think so too, but you never know. But yeah, I agree. I don't think we're going to see her this weekend. I was just joking. Yeah, I think, I mean, that would be something. That wouldn't be a bad thing, but it (laughs) would be crazy nonetheless. Not to look too far ahead, but we did get some news about next season. UConn is going to be playing in PK85, the Phil Knight Legacy Invitational out in Portland. They were... Both programs are going to be there. Both programs participated in PK 85 years ago, but really it was not much of anything for the women's team. They played one game at the university of Oregon against Michigan state this year. It's an actual tournament and there are actual teams in this tournament, Duke, Oregon state. And the one that everyone's talking about Iowa are going to be playing in this tournament. Caitlin Clark, Paige Becker's round two. If that's not happening in the opening round, the Nike, what are you doing? Yeah, that has to be the opening round matchup just for the, the head-to-head between those two. I mean, assuming nothing drastic happens to this UConn roster that we're not expecting, I think UConn's probably going to bury Iowa. But um, yeah, I, you have to have that matchup. I would be shocked if that's not the, the opening round game. Yeah, you can't miss out on having that potential game. There's no way they just picked Iowa out of a hat either. They 100% took Iowa because of Caitlin Clark. You're not bringing Caitlin Clark to this tournament to not play against Paige Beckers and UConn. I would never want to say never because you can never count on a corporation not to do something stupid. But I just refuse to believe that Nike could be that stupid. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. I would have to imagine that that's the plan to have that as the opening round matchup. But yeah, never. I know. am a little annoyed that it's over Thanksgiving, though. That yeah, is, I feel like all the good tournaments are always over Thanksgiving, and they're always someplace cool. But it's Thanksgiving. <laughs> that is like the one thing that has prevented me from already booking a plane ticket and a hotel out there. Yep. <laughs> but. I would very much like to go to that. That would be a ton of fun. Oregon's great. Portland's very fun. Should be a very fun basketball tournament too. The men's side's pretty loaded. Even Duke and Oregon State, those are two interesting teams too. Duke obviously on the rise with Kara Lawson as the head coach. Oregon State, a program that's kind of been hanging out in the top 25, the end of the top 25 since UConn beat them in the final four a few years ago, have been getting some good recruiting classes. I think either one of those games would be a pretty interesting matchup for UConn after Iowa. Agreed. I think either one would be good. 
Um, so it'd be interesting to see. On that note, that'll do it for Chasing Perfection. I know we spent two episodes talking about getting it on its own feed. And just when I went to set it up, we had a little bit of trouble. So I'm going to stop promising things. And once it's actually up, I will start talking about it again. We will get there. We are so close to getting Chasing Perfection on its own feed. But we are not quite there yet. We will, though. Be sure to follow Megan on Twitter at Megan Gower. You can follow me on Twitter at Daniel V. Connolly. Sign up for the UConn Women's Basketball Weekly. Read the UConn blog. Megan, what do you got to send us out? We are less than a month to Selection Sunday already. So March is almost here. Let's hope they don't accidentally release it during the day of the show (laughs) and have to move everything up. (laughs) Fingers crossed. That'll do it. Thanks for listening.